Here's what's coming up on this week's show. We're always telling people, how are you doing? Life couldn't be better. How's business? Just had my best month ever. And so in the Western world, we've been told to talk it up. And unfortunately, mental toxicity is not about the language of the conscious mind. It's about the language of the unconscious mind. The beat. Welcome to the Big Little Business Show, the podcast that helps small business think big. Hey, hey, how you doing? Welcome to the Big Little Business Show. It's Paul Mumford over here, the lovely Claire Horsley over there. And before we begin, Claire, mm-hmm. um, I just want to do a little bit of housework here because uh, we're loving getting all the feedback we're getting uh, from people who have been listening to the show, telling us how much they love it and how they find it really useful and valuable. Uh, but one thing that would really help us is whatever platform you're listening to us on, uh, go and subscribe so you get future episodes and make sure you leave us a review is the second thing we'd like you to do because that helps the us up in podcast land and one other thing that i completely i always forget to mention claire which is something that's got on our, on our website is um where you can uh, leave us a voice message so if you go on to the um come and say hi section of our website which is biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk you if you want to ask us a question you can leave us an actual voice message and we can uh, use that and play that out as part of the show love a voice message while we're recording the podcast i often drink something called kombucha which is something that i've been growing in my kitchen over uh lockdown uh, and it's a probiotic drink it's really good for your gut bacteria and your gut health it's great uh, but it does look like wee uh, but i found out Actually, Claire, you have actually drank your own wee. Seriously, honestly, if I could leave now, I would. <laughs> but I'd strangle myself because I'm attached to my headphones. You were, you were taking the mickey out of me for drinking what looks like my own wee and you have actually drunk your own wee. Yes, I have drunk my own wee. Back up. Tell us the story. OK, so I was uh, representing a company who had just developed a, a state-of-the-art water bottle which could be used uh, for people, particularly if they're travelling. So uh, if they didn't have access to running water, they could get the water from the streams or up the mountains or um, even the sea. Um, And what this bottle would do, the filter inside the bottle would convert it into purified drinking water. So one of the things that I was asked to do alongside my colleague was to test it out to actually prove how effective it was, which involved (laughs) weeing in the bottle and then effectively drinking it. Wow. But it was pure. I mean, I have to say, we didn't stretch to drinking each other's, because that was like... But um, it was very, very effective and highly effective. So there we go. Um, okay, so <laughs> just thought I'd you know, clear that up. So, you know, I'm, Thank I, you I, I drink that. something that looks like weed, but you actually drink weed. Yeah, thanks for that. No, I don't. I don't. It, it converted it into water. You are actually drinking wee. It's, <laughs> it's the colour of wee. But anyway... You, you can't get around it. It is actually wee. Uh, Okay, so each week on the show, uh, we have an industry expert on or an entrepreneur who shares loads of useful advice so uh, you can help your business to grow. Uh, You can take some of these tactics away right now. Uh, Claire's in charge this week. What's the topic? So the topic for this week is how to reach your full potential. Oh, that's a big one. Are we going to get that covered in around half an hour? That's a big topic. Yeah, it's tough, but a very important subject. I guess um, we're going to be asking and answering some big questions today, right? Yes, we certainly are. We certainly are. It's a a, a topic I think that sometimes people shy away from. Um, 
because it can make you feel quite vulnerable but at the same time I think it's important that people can realise how they can be the best version of themselves and ultimately be as successful in business as they can be. And I think a lot of people tend to launch into a business, this is not a negative comment but with a very blinkered attitude as in they're thinking about right the product and getting this done and getting that done we need to do this we need to take that step and then uh, not stepping back and thinking about the big picture and thinking about well why am I doing this and you know how, how do I make this you know, so great that I don't squash myself with my own limiting beliefs perhaps uh, so yeah it's a big question that people should ask and perhaps they don't ask enough no I completely agree uh, I think especially recently people have been um, asking themselves you know a lot of questions about themselves as individuals and as business owners as well so I thought this would be you know perfect timing so we've got to have someone awesome on surely we are welcoming Daniel Tolson uh, Daniel Tolson is Australia's number one business consultant and who specialises in sales and emotional intelligence. This is the Big Little Business Show. When I grew up, I had a lot of um, difficulties. I had a lot of learning disabilities, linear sequential learning disabilities, visual impairments. I had uh, cognitive impairments, twisted spine, twisted neck. My cranium was pushing down on one of the hemispheres of my brain. And I had a lot of uh, blockages, physical blockages that ended up in uh, resulting in mental and emotional blockages. So for most of my teenage years, I spent uh, time in remedial therapy to overcome those. And as I grew up and got involved in business, I realized that the only thing that held me back was the story that I kept telling myself why I couldn't succeed and whilst everybody else could. And so I went on a journey to find out about myself. I moved over to the UK and then I got into personal and professional development and I had to figure out this combination lock of life. I knew there was a certain set of numbers for the lock and if I could find the right numbers and put them in the combination lock in the right order and sequence, I'd be fine. And today I travel around the world and I've consulted more than 7,250 business people from many different companies, from small to medium businesses, all the way up to billion dollar companies. Uh, intercontinental businesses and I specialize in emotional intelligence and that's what we're going to have a lovely conversation about today. Yeah, very much so. And uh, goodness me, what a journey. What a journey you have had. So um, if you don't mind me just going back to, to that for a moment, um, can you remember the time when you made that decision to actually take charge and take control of actually your own limiting beliefs and knew that you had to do something different? I remember clearly I was uh, age 11 and I'd had the teachers tell me for years how stupid I was and how dumb I was and I didn't try hard enough. And I thought, they can't be right. But after they told me that, I started to believe them. So I left school one day and I stood on the side of the road and I thought, well, uh, I must be a waste of space. I must be worthless. There's no point in me being here. And so I just uh, jumped out in front of the next oncoming car and hope, hope, hoping it was going to hit me. But the teachers were right. I was stupid, and I did it at a zebra crossing where all the cars stopped. <laughs> so I thought Goodness to myself, me. well, that didn't work. Maybe they were right. And so after being in remedial therapy to age 15 um, and then getting Epstein-Barr virus, chronic fatigue, and going through two major knee surgeries, I met my mentor, and uh, he was my uncle, and he became my mentor. And he said, Daniel, I'm going to show you what successful people do. And I said, well, that sounds pretty good. 
and he introduced me to goal setting. So it was at 19 that I really discovered that I was responsible for my life. And if it was to be, it was going to be up to me. There was no excuses. There was nobody who was going to do the hard work for me. And so I just had to learn what other successful people were doing. And so really age 19 was the turning point, the first turning point. I just wanted to go back to something that you mentioned uh, just a moment ago, which was that you were told time and time again, you know, that you were stupid, that you were, you know, not capable of doing these things. I mean, how much of an impact do you think that has on an individual when they are being repeatedly told what they are without them actually being aware of it themselves, if that makes sense? The final trimester, when we're in our mother's womb, the final trimester begins the period of what's called the downloading period. And in the final trimester to the first three months of our life, we're actually looking for unconditional love from our mother. And if we don't get that unconditional love, uh, we feel unloved and we search for it for the rest of our life. In the following four months to three years, we're looking for unconditional acceptance from our father. And if we don't get it, we look for it for the rest of our life. After that, from age four to five, we're looking for praise. And if we're always told, what, we're, what we can't do, if we're always told we're a bad boy or we're not good enough, this becomes a major part of our personalities. And before the age of seven, our personality traits, our personality attributes are pretty much formed by age seven. So if you've had this bombardment of limitations, and we actually have a name for it today, we call it heterogenic conditioning. And it's when your family or your surroundings imprint upon you their own limiting beliefs. And then by the age of 10, we have all of our values locked in place. So it starts before 10. And then psychologists tell us it takes 50 years to get over the first five years of our life. And so all of us today are a product of that imprint period, whether we like it or not, but only few people do make the changes. Uh, But I believe that once you start to get to about 35, we all go through this period of darkness. And we start to question ourselves, you know, I've been around here for 35 years and this is all I can do. And then we go on that inner journey. Sure. So talking about the some people make the changes and some people don't, do you think that's because they want to change or indeed they're aware that they need to change? Do you think there's a a significant difference between that? If we looked at our DNA, we could actually stretch our DNA from where you are now all the way to the sun and back. 300 times. However, what prevents people from changing is homeostasis. And it's the comfort zone. And you'd be quite surprised that our whole life, we're we're just trying to stay inside the comfort zone. If you've got children, what do you do when the temperature goes up? You put lukewarm water on them and you try to bring them back down into homeostasis, back into the comfort zone. If the child gets cold and gets hypothermia, what do you do? You warm them back up, back into the comfort zone. So our whole life is going uh, into a hyperprexic state. We get too hot, we come back into homeostasis. The comfort zone about 37 degrees. And then once we get too cold, we go into a hyperthermic state. All we want to do is come back up into the comfort zone. And so we are beings of comfort. And what happens is we find a lot of pleasure in the pain. So when it comes to changing, so few people do it because it takes a lot of hard work. Yeah. And it feels uncomfortable. It feels uncomfortable. Like growing pains. When you see your babies grow up, 
Mm. My children are going through it. They eat nonstop and they ache <laughs> and it hurts. But you've got to do it. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, as we speak, uh, we're speaking in the uh, biggest global pandemic that we have um, ever experienced. And um, I'm sure we've got people listening who have really had to push themselves out of that comfort zone um, and to really understand, you know, where they are sitting with themselves and truly what they believe that they are capable of. So talking about the mental toxicity now, um how would you describe mental toxicity? Because I'm also very mindful that sometimes people have different understanding of certain words that we're using. So within your area of expertise, how would you put that in your own words? It's like having a pimple. You know, you get these pimples as adults. <laughs> I had one the other week and I had one and, and I squeezed it and I, no, well, I didn't squeeze it. I said to myself, I'm not going to squeeze it. And I looked in the mirror and I'm not going to squeeze it. And I walked back in there and every time I looked in the mirror, this pimple got bigger. <laughs> Until I couldn't resist it. So I started to squeeze it and I couldn't pop the pimple. So I got my wife's pimple popper and I put that in there and it's got the loop on the other end and I'm trying to dig it out. And all of a sudden my whole face (laughs) is red. And then I had a podcast and we're using a video. And I thought to myself, my gosh, what have I done? So I went to her makeup drawer and I was putting on her foundation. (laughs) And the foundation (laughs) didn't match my skin tone. And then I got her powder. And so what happens with mental toxicity we spend a lot of time in our life trying to cover things up. We're always telling people, how are you doing? Life couldn't be better. How's business? Just had my best month ever. And so in the Western world, we've been told to talk it up. And unfortunately, mental toxicity is not about the language of the conscious mind. It's about the language of the unconscious mind. And when we have a lot of mental toxicity, we say to ourselves, I don't like going to this workplace. And our unconscious mind says, don't go back there another day. I don't like these people. And so inside we become toxic. We become acidic. And then what we do is we live an acidic lifestyle and we try to shut up that inner voice. So we drink coffee and alcohol and smoke cigarettes and eat hamburgers and all this fatty food to try to shut up that voice inside ourselves. And so mental toxicity starts with becoming aware of what you're actually saying to yourself. But what happens, we've told ourselves we don't like this for so long, but we're so smart, Claire. We're so smart, we have high IQs, we've been educated, and we use our intelligence against us. And we say things like, but it pays the bills. It could be worse. Other people are losing their job. Just another 10 years, and you can get long service. And we start to use our intelligence against us. But the toxicity builds up, builds up, builds up, And then we start to get health issues. And according to the latest science is at least 84 to 85% of all illness is psychosomatic in nature. And they've proven this on Monday mornings. On Monday mornings worldwide, there is the highest rate of heart attacks because all weekend the person says, gee, it's so nice to have time away from that bloody office. I'd hate to go back there. And what happens is the blood pressure rises, the systolic pressure goes up, the heart rate goes up and up, and they've got to go back to work. And the heart can't handle it. And then the heart just explodes and they have heart attacks. Now, if the heart attack doesn't kill them, the second thing we know is that the highest rate of suicide is on Monday after lunch. People get out and they go, gee, that heart attack didn't kill me today, but I'll tell you what, I'm not going back to that office. And they walk up to the top floor and they throw themselves off the side of the building. Or the paramedics 
are ready in the morning. Monday morning, all the paramedics know this. They're ready to deal with the heart attacks. The fire brigade, the police are ready after lunch on Mondays to catch the people who are going to commit suicide and throw themselves off the buildings. And so we're going to look out for the warning signs. Yeah, now that's um, it. actually what you've just really demonstrated. In, and of course, you know, it, it, it's tragedy, isn't it? You know, with, with people feeling so desperate that the only way they can control things is to, you know, sadly take their own lives. But, um, you know, just picking up on something when you, when you said before, um, it shows the power of the mind. It shows the power of the mind and actually how subconsciously and consciously we actually tell ourselves lots of different things, whether that be the positive or the negative. So how much of the negative side of things in terms of business do you think affects the progression of business owners moving forward? And I'd be interested to hear your thoughts, whether you indeed feel that people are aware of it. 70% of what we do in our life is away from what we want. 70% of the things that we do are restrictive in nature. And I was studying the work of an author called L. Ron Hubbard. And what he said, he said that every single living organism on the planet has one thing in common, and that is to survive. And what I've learned over my life is how do you survive? You don't die. (laughs) And so the majority of the time is we're avoiding pain, we're avoiding pain, we're avoiding danger, we're avoiding things that could hurt us, kill us, or bring us to the end of our life really quickly. But that doesn't mean we're focusing on what we want and where we want to go. So in business, 70% of the decisions we make in business also turn out to be wrong in the fullness of time. But because we have an ego and we don't want to look vulnerable and we don't want to make a mistake, what happens is we don't admit our mistakes and we fight to try to make them right. But ultimately, we fail because we're holding on to something that hasn't worked. We're digging a hole. We're digging a well where there's no water and we just keep digging a deeper hole. So 70% of the things that we do in life are the wrong things. And we know this today. We've known it for hundreds of years. And we have to take this back into our awareness in business and realize that mistakes are okay, but we've got to learn from them quickly. And like the Turks say, the Turkish say, it doesn't matter how long you've been walking down the wrong road. Stop, turn around, go back. And we've got to learn to that in business. This is a really interesting and very important topic. Um, and I'm sure we, we have people listening who are thinking, okay, I feel that I need to now stretch myself to maybe broaden my horizons, you know, do things new that I haven't been doing already. To be fair, some people have been forced into this situation as we're speaking now. Maybe they haven't felt, they don't feel they've had control over making those changes, but maybe listening to the advice that you've shared are thinking, well, maybe I could. Maybe I could reach reach up and push the top of that box open and uh, dip my toe in the fear of the unknown. If they're just on the fence here, maybe thinking about, am I ready? Should I? I'm not sure. What what advice would you give to them as a starting point? The, th- the first thing we need to do is we have to accept that we are co-creating in this. See, all the decisions you've made consciously and unconsciously have brought you to where you are today. All the decisions that you've made in your life consciously and unconsciously have led you to this message on this podcast today. It's not by chance. You've made decisions. You've failed to make decisions. 
you've made decisions unconsciously. You failed to make decisions unconsciously, and you're here. If you, were, if you weren't supposed to be here, you wouldn't be here. And so we have to accept that we've played a role in all of this. And now we get to determine what it means to us. So we have to change the internal dialogue. Our internal dialogue determines how we experience anything. And I love COVID-19 because it was only a couple of years ago, Claire, where I was traveling from Taiwan to the UK and doing trainings. And I would go to the UK and I wouldn't sleep for a week. The only way I could get to sleep was to have a couple of pints of beer, but then I'd wake up all drowsy. And then I'd do my work. I'd come back to Taiwan and I couldn't sleep for three weeks. So I'd drink half a bottle of scotch a night to try to knock myself out. And then I'd wasted a whole month of my life. And then I was sick six times a year. And I said to myself, gee whiz, I wish I didn't have to travel anymore. A couple of years later, COVID's here. I don't have to travel. Wow. And I haven't been sick the whole year. My health is incredible. I go to bed. I wake up. I go to bed. I wake up. I don't have to go to the doctor. And so secretly, there's some part of me that's been hoping for this. And there's a lot of people out there, Claire, secretly, and they're really not happy with the relationships they're in. And they've been at COVID-19 and they go, gee, I couldn't spend another day in this house with this SOB. (laughs) (laughs) We better move on and get divorced. And it's set them free. The divorce rate Mm. has gone up by about 60%. Congratulations, you've made your decision. God bless COVID-19. A lot of people have been doing a job that they have hated and they haven't liked it. And they've said, thank God I don't have to go back to that workplace anymore. I don't have to catch two hours on the tube into the city, back home. I don't have to leave before the sun comes up. I don't have to come home after the sun's gone down. Thank God. And so secretly, if you're really honest with yourself, there's been a part of you that's wanted this. And if you just take ownership and say, you know what, secretly I did want this. I didn't want to go to work. I didn't want to be in that relationship. I wanted to be free from all of those things. You got it. And once you get it, you go, wow, I'm powerful. I think I might have co-created that. And then see what happens is I used to live in the Middle East and I used to work with a lot of people who were from the subcontinent and they would say, namaste. And I said, what does namaste mean? And they said, it's the God in me honoring the God in you. And see, God creates. And maybe, and I'm not saying this is true, but maybe you're part God and maybe you played a role in co-creating this. Maybe you wanted it to change your life and the whole world has not conspired against you, but conspired for you. See, there's two ways to look at the world. You can have the world that's conspiring against you, that everything is a plot to kill you and hurt you and harm you. Or you can look at the world with a benevolent worldview and say, the world is conspiring for me. COVID-19 is here to improve my relationships with my children. Did you know, Claire, the average person spends more time brushing their teeth than speaking to their children? Did you know that? That is Imagine that. We live in a world where people spend more time brushing their teeth than speaking to their children. Mm. Imagine how many happy mums and dads are here right now. And let's go back to what I said before about the imprint period. How many little boys and girls are going to have the unconditional love of their mum and dad right now? Mum and dad are home. I get to sit on their knee. I get to play with them. I'm getting approval and praise from my father. He's been at work 18 hours a day. I've never seen him, but now I've got him here. 
I think our world's going to get better. I really do. You know, I, t- I totally hear you with this one. And I know that through speaking to, and I'm sure you have as well, speaking to various you know, business owners, that um, there's a lot of good, I feel, that has come to business owners through these challenges, through their reflection, um, actually realising, you know, what is important. And, you know, as you say as well, spending time with people that maybe they just couldn't do before. And we all lead led such fast-paced lives that that was just the way that it was without having that chance to actually sit and think, actually, is this what I want to be doing until the age of retirement, which I believe has gone up recently. Not sure what it is now. But anyway, you know, whether you want to carry on for a week or a year or, or up to the age of retirement, it's not something necessarily that you'd like to do. So well, I'm, a, I'm opposed to retirement. See, linguistically... If you want to retire, it presupposes you don't enjoy what you're doing. You're doing the wrong thing. If you want to finish it, you're doing the wrong thing. Every job that I've done, I've loved. I've moved on because I've finished what I needed to achieve. But if we are looking forward to retirement, then where's our focus? If we're looking forward to retirement, where's the focus? The focus is on the future. It's not in the present. If you're focused so far out in the future, you're detached from your body and you won't enjoy the moment of now. And see, what will happen is once people get all the way out there to retirement, the majority of people die within a few years of retirement because they get out there and go, I did all of that. I put myself through all of that pain for this. How many cups of tea can I drink today? How many scones can I have today? How many cafes can I go today? Well, the, the answer is, well, you get bored of that. I'm an advocate of finding what you love, doing what makes your heart sing and making this life an adventure and pursuing that. And your goal should be live, to live to 100 years of age. The average 40-year-old, most of us don't start making real money till our 40th year. The average American at age 40 only has a net worth of $1,000. Choose something that makes your heart sing. Choose something that makes your heart tick and commit your life to it and become an expert in it. And I'll tell you what, you'll be begging to live to 100 because you'll love so much. You'll love it. You'll get out of morning. You'll, you'll get up in, in the morning. You'll get out of bed. You'll have a spring in your step. You'll want to stay up late and you'll have to force yourself to go to sleep. But you'll want to do it every day for the rest of your life. And I believe that's where we need to be. We've got to get away from that paradigm of doing something we don't like for 40 years. We've got to find what we love and COVID's going to make us do that. It's going to force us to do that. If, uh, you know, we have people here who are identifying with some of the aspects of what we've talked about, whether it be their own um, personal journeys, uh, maybe their limiting beliefs in business, you know, they're wanting to stretch themselves uh, beyond, you know, where they're currently at at the moment. Would, could you maybe share the top three, three tips with them as to what they can be doing to start taking control of their own outcomes? If you do what successful people do, you'll also become successful. But if you do what failures do, (laughs) you'll become a failure. So let me tell you what successful people do. The first thing that successful people do is they say to themselves, if it is to be, it's up to me. And successful people constantly seek to improve their emotional intelligence. 
How do you become more emotionally intelligent? Well, you've got to get rid of your unresolved anger. Because what happens is when you're angry, your brain gets hot and you can't think. And I gave you a clue before. 70% of the decisions you make turn out to be wrong in the fullness of time because you're angry when you make decisions and then you hold on to them and you want to prove yourself right. So you've got to get rid of anger. For business people, you also have to let go of your sadness. Or people say, Daniel, I'm not depressed. I'm not talking about depression. I'm talking about sadness. Every time you set a goal and you don't achieve it, you experience sadness. Because what happens in your mind, you play this beautiful movie and have these pictures of this amazing future. And then COVID comes along and it wipes all that off the face of the earth and you have a sense of loss. And what happens is you start to grieve the loss of your future. Lean forward. I know you can't see me, but I want you to lean forward. Let me tell you a secret. It hadn't happened. So guess what? You didn't lose anything. However, we experience the sense of loss. We also have to let go of fear. We're born with two fears. The fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. All other fears are learned. People have fears of failure, fear of success, fear of making a mistake, fear of being left behind, fear of being found out. And if you have any of those fears, it'll be very hard for you to move forward because what you'll try to do is you'll try to hold yourself back. So you've got to get rid of these. You've also got to get rid of your self-limiting beliefs. Your self-limiting beliefs are beliefs about yourself. You have beliefs that hold you back. You have beliefs that hurt you. You have beliefs that you don't have enough time, that you're too old, that you're not smart enough, that you don't have enough education, that you're not in the right relationship, that you don't have the right product or service, and you've got to stop it. So that's the first thing. The second thing is once you've got rid of all of that garbage, then you've got to become stubborn. And what you have to do is you have to draw the line in the sand and you've got to refuse to go back and trying to do the old thing and expecting a different result. You've got to draw that line in the sand and you've got to refuse to do those failure habits. And then thirdly, you've got to focus on what you want. See, we have what's called a reticular activation system. It's a part of your unconscious mind that focuses on your most dominant thought. And we say that you become what you think about most of the time. So what you've got to do is you've got to set a goal. But most of you up until this age, I know your age is, by the way, I'm a mind reader. I know your age now, that age that you're at now. Most of your life, you've set goals for things that you've wanted to do. And right now you're pissed off because you can't do what you want to do. Who do you want to become? What do you want to be known for in this lifetime? And I'll tell you what, it doesn't matter if it's COVID-19. It doesn't matter if it's the global financial crisis. It doesn't matter if it's the next depression. Nobody can take your B goals away from you. And if you focus on who you want to become and you take a step closer to that every day, your brain will release an, a, a neurotransmitter called dopamine. And what will happen is your heart will start to pump. Your heart will start to sing. And you'll say, I love this life. I love this journey. I want more. And you'll set bigger challenges. You'll be willing to go overcome bigger obstacles. And when you achieve your goal, which you will, then what will happen is your brain will release serotonin. And this is nature's happy drug. Now, I've been to the UK. I bet a lot of you did some wild things back in the day. And what happens is when you do wild things, you feel good and you feel alive. And that's the serotonin. And you've got to get that back in your life. And if you do that, you'll never experience anxiety. 
you'll never experience regret and you'll never feel depressed. And what they say in the UK is, oh, we call it seasonal affective disorder. No, it's an excuse. If you're feeling good, it doesn't matter what's happening in the weather, you'll be one of those little red ducks and you'll be happy in any pond. That was good at the end there as well. Thank you for that, Daniel. Little red ducks, definitely. So, yeah, that's... um. It's incredibly reflective, isn't it, to look back and and again, really, what incredible advice and the way that you put things across um, just makes so much sense, so much sense. So thank you very much for that, Daniel. Um, so hopefully that has, um, I'm sure, you know, inspired many of you uh, listening, uh, as it has done myself, to really think about what we do have control over and the impact of how we respond to the challenges and the situation that we, situations that we're presented with. So... Um, I would like to ask you now a few questions uh, about yourself, if that's okay, Daniel. 100%. Are you ready? I'm ready to go. You're ready. (laughs) Um, By the way, what age were you putting me at? You know, you said you're reading the mind of ages. What was it you said to me? I'm sure it began with a two, didn't it? The the perfect age. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was a smart answer. Smart answer. 25. I'll take that. Thanks. Okay. So um, your favourite smell. What's your favourite smell? Tom Ford. Vanille Vitale. I'm obsessed with this smell. And every time I go to the airport, it's Tom Ford Vanille Vitale. I spray it all over myself. It's about 250 US dollars a bottle and I just drown myself and it's like I'm having a shower in it. And they ask me, would you like a bottle? And I say, absolutely not. I'll just come here and get it for free. (laughs) And the Arabs have a saying, Abu Balesh Katomeno, which means... (laughs) the son of something for free, which is a really bad thing to say to somebody, but it means if there's mm. something free, give me more. So I go there and it's free and I just shower in it at the airport. <laughs> I love it. Love. That's brilliant. That's a different one. That's a really different answer, but I, do, I love that. That's brilliant. Okay, so your favourite biscuit. Your favourite biscuit. <sighs> That's a good question. My favourite biscuit. Well, I had a hash cookie once. And that was a lot of fun because I just laughed, but then, <laughs> ended, then I ended up eating hamburgers. <laughs> Back to the hamburgers. <laughs> but uh, in terms of the biscuits that I like, we have these um, lovely biscuits and it's called a, a, a mint slice in Australia and they have a little bit of a biscuit on the inside. They have this like wafer on the inside. They have some uh, mint cream and it's um, got this lovely rich chocolate over the top. Mm. And... Uh, one of those and I'll put on about 10 kilos. <laughs> I'm salivating. And chocolate. Yeah, do you know what I am? Thanks for that. Yeah, um, I thought, I can't remember what they're called now. It's kind of a green wrapper. Um, mint and chocolate do go especially well together. Mm. So uh, after eights are pretty nice. That's what we used to have uh, when I was growing up, but my mum said we can't afford to eat those. And I thought to myself, um, you're bloody eating them by the box load. No wonder we can't afford them. <laughs> <laughs> well, quite. So, and that is most definitely one of the ones that you have to finish the box. You just get to that point of feeling slightly nauseous, but it has to be done. Okay. And what about the most famous person you've ever met? When I was cabin crew with Emirates Airline, I was told, do not go to first class. Do not walk down the left-hand side of the aircraft. Now, I don't like to be told what not to do. People can tell me what to do, but I don't like to be told what not to do. And I said, well, four-letter word starting with F, U, and I walked up the front. And there was a gentleman sitting in there, and he had first class all to himself. And I said, g'day, mate, how are you doing? Welcome on board the aircraft. He said, it's so nice that somebody's come to talk to me. 
<laughs> and I said, well, who are you? Now, I knew who he was. He was the prince of Saudi Arabia. Oh, my goodness. And he loved it that I went up and talked to him because he was sitting there yeah. in first class all by himself. And I said, come on, you've got to have your own jet, mate. And he's like, well, I do. And I said, well, what are you doing here? And he goes, my aircraft couldn't get in time. And I said, well, why are all the seats vacant? He said, I just bought them all for myself. And I'm like, but aren't you bored up here? No way. He's like, yeah, it's pretty boring. I said, well, I'll say good day. I'll have a chat. And he loved it. He really appreciated it. Everybody's freaking out. And I said, just remember, my middle name's Danger and I'll do whatever <laughs> I want to. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's amazing. I bet you, you'll never forget that. What an experience. What an experience. Okay, and finally, uh, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates? Well, I already know what he's going to say. He'll say, you are God. And just like our friends in India say, namaste. I honour the God mm. in you. And I don't think it's a point of somebody telling us, Claire. I think it's for us to remember that we are co-creators in all of this. And thought is creative. And we create our world every single day with our thoughts. We create our world by the things that we say to ourselves. And what we've got to learn to do is we've got to learn to say the right things to ourselves. Your mind is like a computer system. Every time you say something to yourself, you program your unconscious mind. And most people, they talk about what they don't want and what they shouldn't do throughout their whole life. But what we've got to start to do is realize that we are God, we are co-creators, and we write our own script every day. Brilliant. Thank you ever so much, Daniel. So now um, I'm sure there's going to be some of our listeners now who'd like to find out a little bit more about what we've been talking about today. So what's the best way that they can contact you? Come and play on social media. Mm-hmm. Join me on Facebook. Type in my name, Daniel Tolson. Uh, you'll see my profile picture there with my beautiful wife. And uh, every day I'm live streaming uh, across social media platforms. So come and play on social media. Uh, normally at around about 8 a.m. in the UK, I'm doing a live stream, which you're a regular guest, yeah, Claire. I love them. And so come and play there. Ask me questions. Write me a message on Facebook. And just remember that only strong people ask for help. So if you put your hand up and you reach out to me, you say, hey, Daniel, can I chat? I'll jump on a call, just like Claire did. She said, hey, Daniel, can we chat? And she's a person who believes in asking for help, and it's because Claire's a strong person. So if you're spending time with Claire, you're already a friend of mine. Come and say hello. This is The Big Little Business Show, the podcast with bigger tips for small business. Wow, that was a lot to take in there. Some really deep-thinking subjects you covered there Claire it was rather wasn't it but so powerful uh, as to how the messages can be understood within our brains and then ultimately what we do with that information and how we store it and I love some of the things he was saying about loving what you do and then we, we were talking a few weeks ago about big little business show bingo uh, and that's another one of those topics that comes out time and time again about how you will never work a day in your life if you love what you do. He was talking about retirement and how why would you need to work towards retirement if you love your job? Remember when we had Chad Borkwin on from Kansas, who was the music coach, mm. and uh, he found his passion. He loves what he does. It's not like a job. So, um, yeah, it's a topic that comes up time and time again. It does. And, and ultimately, as well, if you enjoy what you're doing, you're going to be even better at delivering that product or service, surely, because you, you're emotionally connected to it, and then you get the sense of achievement from it as well. Um, but it's quite scary, isn't it, to think that so many of us 
and I did at one point, um, work in view to retire and it's almost like a countdown. I've never really understood that. Why would you work in a job you hate, which you do for the majority of your life, so you can spend the last 20 years of your life in comfort? Why not be in comfort for your whole life? Yeah, and we, we all, you know, have power and control over, you know, an element of that, surely. Uh, and yeah, that's why I've moved on as well. And I love that whole thing he was talking about with regard to perspective as well and about how you look at things, because it's something I truly believe in, the way you look at things. What's that famous quote? Um, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about COVID and how uh, he he loves COVID because it's changed his, the way he moves and the way he works, he doesn't have to travel quite so much. And and I can totally relate to that. If it, I mean, if it hadn't have been for COVID, we wouldn't be talking right now and doing this podcast, would we? No, that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. And it's a, it's a prime example of it's not the situations in most cases that are presented to us. It's the way that we respond to them. Yeah. Um, and the difference of that can be day and night. It all starts in your head, doesn't it? And by the way, that biscuit you were thinking of? Yeah. It's a Viscount. Oh, uh, yes, it's a Viscount. I remember when I was a kid, we had packed lunch. If you had a Viscount biscuit, you were from a posh family. Yeah, the, that's it. It was the white mint on the top. And then I used to eat the white mint off the top first. Of course, we're talking about how to eat biscuits again. Random. It's another one of those recurring themes. <laughs> it is. How do you eat your Viscount? <laughs> <laughs> so every week we like to end the show with uh, a big little shout out. Uh, bigging up a small business who we've been talking to on social media or uh, a business that um, uh, listens to the show. Uh, it's just nice to do. Just a you know, like other businesses and that's what we're here for so who are we bigging up this week so this week i'd like to big up for hannah cannon oh hello that's oh there's like a it's like a poem isn't it lovely for hannah cannon there's for hannah oh i can't stop saying it for hannah cannon does she have a website for hannah it rolls off the tongue doesn't it so what um so yes she does uh yeah, and what they do is they bring your brand to life um, on social media as well to create a strong visual message for your audiences. Uh, you can also email them to info at imediaexposure.com. Got it up right now. Uh, oh, they're in Boston. I love Boston. It's one of my favourite cities. I'd love to go. Oh, she's a pretty lady as well. Wow. Loads of great information on there. And she obviously does lots of different things. She talks about Instagram. Yeah, worth checking her out. She quite clearly knows what she's talking about. Yeah, it's a brilliant website. So, yeah, that's our shout-out for this week. For Hannah Cannon. For Hannah Cannon. Hopefully we'll have something a little bit lighter to talk about next week uh, because I filled up with Dean Fox last week and uh, mm. uh, this one this week we've had a couple of really deep topics. So maybe we'll have something lighter next week. Who knows? Don't forget to come and find us on social media. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, and we're on LinkedIn. Just search for Big Little Business Show and obviously our website, biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk. Uh, where you can find out more information about this episode and all our other episodes for that matter. And one more thing, whatever platform you're listening to us on, uh, like I said at the top of the show, don't forget to uh, subscribe so you get future episodes and leave us a review. That's really important. And uh, we'd love you forever. And that's it. Till next week. Say goodbye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Big Little Business Show with Paul Mumford and Claire Horsley. You can subscribe to get the latest episodes via iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and everywhere you find your favourite podcasts. Come and find us at biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk and we're on Facebook too. Just search for Big Little Business Show. The Big Little Business Show is a PM2 Media and Excel Networking production.